Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, I'm Gary Bloom and you're listening to On The Sporting Couch. I'm a sports broadcaster, counsellor and psychotherapist and that means I work one-to-one with all sorts of people who are having or have experienced problems in their day-to-day lives. It's sometimes called a talking therapy. It doesn't mean the individual is ill or sick. It just means that they feel the need to discuss the things that are going on in their lives because they're going through a tough time. The goal of therapy is to understand ourselves better. One in four of us will experience strong feelings that can overwhelm us at some stage in our lives. My training allows me to work with people who are experiencing mood disorders like anxiety, depression, performance anxiety, relationship and work issues and addictive behaviours. I'm undertaking this project to help widen the understanding of mental well-being in sport and beyond. And hopefully this programme will give a greater understanding to what goes on between therapist and the person who today is on the sporting couch. Meet Rebecca, or Becky Adlington, one of the most famous swimmers this country has ever produced. She won two gold medals at the Beijing Olympic Games and two bronze medals in the London Games four years later. She never courted fame, but fame found her as a 19-year-old, and it's been as much of a burden as a blessing. She's had to cope with a sort of personal criticism that would push most of us to the limit of our boundaries and yet she remains one of our most personable and much-loved sports people of our generation. Welcome to On the Sporting Couch with me, Gary Bloom, Olympic swimmer, Becky Adlington. Becky, first of all, thank you for inviting us into your house. You're welcome. This is the first time we've ever been to somebody's house. (laughs) What's it like hosting a a radio programme like this? Um, yeah, I'm pretty fine with it. Um, to be honest, I'm. I think it's incredibly trusting to to allow you know people you've never met before into your house and be very very open and honest about yourself. Oh, see, I find it more convenient. It means I don't have to go. <laughs> yeah, we've been on the train for the last couple of days. Yes, exactly. So yeah, it is more convenient. I'm not going to lie to you, but um, yeah, I think um, for myself, I've, I'm always one of those people that open my home up. I love being a host and doing that sort of stuff anyway, um, even throughout when I swam. So I've always been fine with that in a, any a TV company or anything like that. Mm. Um, come into my home because it's just me and whether you're going to talk to me in a studio or my home it's still me that you're going to get so it doesn't matter what the surroundings are as a therapist what strikes me strongly is your openness and that's the the, the word open 
strikes me very strongly. You're open and warm and welcoming. And that's my first impressions of you. Thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Has it always been like that? Has everybody, has everybody said that? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I'm uh, always one of those people that I, I love being around people. You know what I mean? I'm a, I'm a people person and I am very, very open and honest. Me and my whole family are. We've got a bit of Adlington honesty in us that... Um, it can be a bit, sometimes people do take the wrong way sometimes, but sure. I never mean it in that way. Um, but I think a lot of people try and hide stuff, especially in sport, actually, because actually in sport, you've always kind of got to hold something back because you don't want your competitors to know something. And there is a lot of them tactics involved in sport. Whereas I've just kind of always been in the opinion that I can only do what I can do and somebody else can only do what they can do. You know what I mean? It's like that. And I'm in a very individual sport. So it's a bit different for me. It's not like I'm in a team sport or I'm working with other people. It is literally you and a swimming pool. That is it. And you can't control what anyone else does. So I just think the best way to be is open and honest about it. What would you like to say now to the 19-year-old Becky who tasted success so brilliantly? I would tell myself to just relax and go with it a little bit more. I think when I experienced kind of that success, it's then you're constantly trying to chase it, whereas I wasn't chasing it before it happened. It was only once it's happened that you're then trying to continue that and chase it and I just think just relaxing and just enjoying the journey um a lot more and kind of the outcome will figure itself out um and yeah and just keeping things really really simple um did you like yourself at that time when you were 18 19 um yeah I mean I've always been very um comfortable in my own skin um I've always been that sort of person I think I've always been very mature for my age I've that's from being, I've got two older sisters. I was always around older people when I swam, um, just with the nature of the sport and the program I was in. So I've always been a lot older. Everyone always thinks I'm like nearly 40. And I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm only 28. But I do act a lot older than I am. Um, I'm, a, I'm a lot more mature and grown up um, than most people my age. So, Do you think you missed out on your childhood because of all the training and, and the swimming? Is there something that you missed there? Not at all. Not at all I I was more a case of like my friends would come into school and tell me about stuff and I'm like oh thank gosh I was swimming I was always like (laughs) so great because I loved it so much I didn't want to go like I was never interested in that sort of stuff I always kind of was in the mindset if my friends were going out to a party well I can do that another time or I've got time to do that I was never envious of them that they were able to do stuff I mean when it was something close to my heart like my best friend's birthday party or something like that that really meant something of course I was always upset if I could not go but actually I had the best group of friends who used to be like they they totally understood and I was very very fortunate for that that my friends got it and they were like it doesn't matter let's do something on Sunday when you are free they were so accommodating because they understood that I loved it and I wanted to do well and they just totally got me and I loved that so um, I was very very fortunate which I understand not everyone has you had two very strong role models in your life two very strong men in your life your dad who you absolutely adore and you were very lucky to find the perfect coach in Bill Furness not many people have two father figures but you did (laughs) I was very lucky enough to have two father figures yeah for, for sure how did that work um 
it just did. We never kind of had to kind of push it or work at it. It just happened. Um, my dad owns his own business. He's so busy. He, uh, My mum gave up her job when I was about 12, 13, when I moved to Bill um, and he was my coach. And my mum gave up her job so she could ferry me around everywhere and just basically be this. And my dad became the the money earner in the family, he had to go to work. So actually my dad only would then see me swim at the weekend. And I think that's probably why it worked because my dad wasn't the one doing it 24 um, seven, that he never felt threatened. And my dad is the sports fan as well. My dad's a huge sport lover. And I think because of that, my dad thinks like he could be like the manager of England, I swear. <laughs> Whereas like the great thing is like my dad's like that on every sport. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? And questioning. And there were definitely times that me and my dad argued way more than me and my mum. But just because I would come home absolutely exhausted and my dad would like, so what happened at training? How did you do? How did this? Because he was he was so interested And I just was like, dad, I just want to switch off. I don't want to talk about it. And it wasn't me trying to shut him out. It was just a case of I needed to switch off from swimmer Becky. And I just wanted to be his daughter, Becky. I just wanted to be normal teenage me growing up rather than the swimmer all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And Bill, me and Bill just clicked from day one. We just, I find Bill is one of those people that walks into a room and you just, instantly respect him and that not many people have that most people it kind of takes you meeting them and kind of talking to them for you to earn kind of to earn your respect and your trust whereas Bill's not like that there's something special about Bill and he automatically just is that character and straight away I respected him as a coach and I think he really respected me as an athlete and a human. And I really respected that he was a coach and that he had goals. I think a lot of people don't see that with coaches. I think a lot of people see it was like, you're my coach to get me to success. Whereas Bill had his own goals. Bill wanted to make the Olympics. Bill wanted to be that head coach of the British team. Bill inspired to be those things. And I totally understood that. And what was the relationship between dad and Bill? Because I'm trying to put myself in your dad's shoes. And I would have found it very, very difficult that my daughter had another strong male role figure in her life. I'd have found it quite challenging, I've got to admit. Um, He probably did, but then... I'm from a very strong women orientated family. <laughs> so he was so, my dad's very used to being around strong characters, man or woman. Mm. And my mum's very, very strong. My sisters are very strong. Like we are a strong household. So actually being around somebody like Bill, he it wasn't a case of I'm trying, to, he's trying to step on my shoes. And Bill and my dad were very honest with one another as well. And they really respected one another and there was no lies, there was no hidden agenda, everything was clear cut, it was just very much there and Bill reported back to my parents, I think there was a lot of times that actually Bill never came to me, he went to my mum and dad and that earned their respect and trust, the fact that they knew he had my best interest at heart. This is On The Sporting Couch me, Gary Bloom, and Becky Abington. Let's go back a little bit before that, and you talk about the strength of your family, and that was born out of almost 
a family tragedy. Yeah, it was. I, I mean, we were a very strong family before because um, all of us swam. Me and my sisters all swam and it became a thing that we did a lot uh, as a family. So we spent so much time together. We had so many rules in our house as well, like no phones at the dinner table. We had to always eat our dinner together in an evening, um, no matter what time it was, even if I was coming back from training at eight o'clock at night. Well, that's when everyone ate their tea was eight o'clock at night. It was, that was the rules in our household is that we ate dinner together. And, um, and then I got ill. So I got glandular fever first. Um, and I got post-viral fatigue and then my sister Laura got really ill as well. Um, she kind of, it started with the flu and then all of a sudden, literally overnight she was in hospital. They kind of, thought it was meningitis they weren't really sure and then all of a sudden the next thing I know because I was only 15 at the time um my sister was in intensive care in a coma it was my parents wouldn't even let me see her um they were like we got told by the doctors that prepare that she's gonna die and that you're not not gonna see her again and my mum and dad didn't want me to see Laura with all the tubes and and to go into that at 15 they wanted me to remember my sister that I got on so well with and loved and had the best time with so even though I was at the hospital I was always there I didn't actually see her when she was in the induced coma it wasn't until she came round and after that it just our family were just very very different it was I think none of us took it for granted we let all the petty stuff go all that childish I hate you mum and I hate you dad all of that slipped away and it was just about us as a family and just having that time together and living life to the full and just kind of being that and it was so lovely that and and we're so lucky that Laura was okay you know and that she came around she had encephalitis is something you never recover fully from but she's now a mum she's a teacher she's fantastic she's doing really well so we're very very lucky as a family that it kind of happened that way i know way worse tragedies happen to to lots of other families just recalling that story becky i can see how emotional you are yeah it was a really i think i love my sisters they are like my best friends i think being the baby of the family you constantly look up to them my sisters were always my role models when people say to me who's your idol growing up and I'm like my sisters it's always been my sisters because I never had someone that was famous it was never anything like that that I saw on tv it was my sisters I followed around constantly I wanted to be like them I just wanted to be in their friendship group I wanted to be them you know so um for me that they're my everything they were my support they I mean, we used to come home and it was like, Chloe used to cook me tea. Laura used to help me with my homework. It was a real family thing um, throughout my whole entire life to then almost have that taken away was something that was really, really hard. It was the only time I've ever really seen my mum and dad break down and me and Chloe kind of stepped in and was kind of phoning everyone to just let my mum and dad deal. And I'd never, I've always seen my parents as like superhuman. They are like superheroes that I'm like I always say my mum is like Wonder Woman she comes in she whizzes round creates this amazing force and then goes again I'm like I love that but seeing them go through that as well and seeing everyone deal with that and one of my nicest moments believe it or not was when Laura actually came round and 
I went to see her. She still had the tubes and everything in her mouth. And the first thing she did was like tap on her chest. And she was trying to say, I love you to everyone. And that was the first thing she did. And it was just, that's the sort of family we are as in we would we she just knew and she she doesn't remember anything from her time in hospital like we ask her now and she doesn't remember a thing um which is kind of a good thing but also for us we do remember you know we go through all of those sorts of things so we are very protective of one another as well becky this is a tough question but thankfully laura pulled through and yes (laughs) had she not pulled through could you have had the career you had no Probably not. I think because it led on to so many different events. I mean, swimming was my escape when Laura was in hospital. Luckily, her hospital was right next door to the pool. Literally, next door was the campus. So I was so lucky that my parents, because I was 15, they were like, we still need you to be you. So go off to training. Because I was still recovering from being ill myself. Um, So my parents would be like, right, just go swim for an hour. I wasn't doing full-on swim sessions because I couldn't, because the doctors told me not to. I could only get my heart rate so far and blah, blah, blah. So Bill was great. Bill was just like, yeah, get in at the back. And everyone at the pool just treated me like a normal 15-year-old. There was no sympathy. There was no, how's this? I just got to escape and just be me and have that time. So swimming was that for me. But I think if she hadn't pulled through... It was probably a case of the swimming would have just fell by the wayside because it was just a case of that after Laura got better, it then led on to me having a year off school and dedicating that time and and kind of, I, I don't think that would have probably happened if Laura hadn't pulled through. I'll tell you what strikes me as a therapist here. It's almost like there's a a symbiotic relationship between you and her. Without her being able to pull through, you couldn't have had the success. Now imagine the support from her. And that must make a very, very strong bond. Oh, yeah. Like uh, my whole family, like I'm such a family person. I think when I moved up here to Manchester, I just cried because I was like, I'm not going to be near my family. And I I hated it. And even though I'm in my 20s, I still need my mum and dad and sisters. And I'm very, very open about that. I go home twice a month when I really really try because I love being around them they're the people that have kept me grounded they're the people that have helped me they're the people that love me unconditionally and there isn't I think when you're in this fame world everyone loves what you've done oh my god how was the Olympics how's this but actually to love you as a character and love you wholeheartedly you don't often find and there is a lot of praise come the fame there's a lot of people that are like oh we love you and we love this and and everything but it's not real it's not do you know what I mean it's not they're the people that you don't know then they don't know your journey they don't know you as a person whereas my family I can just be 100% around myself with um and yeah just love being around them it's just you just feel I don't know I just feel at ease and I still always call it home even though I live up here I still always say I'm going home and it will always be my home is just wherever they are. Becky I think there's when when we look back at this program there'll be two major themes and I'm going to start with the first one and you just brought it up fame and you said to me when we spoke on the telephone a week ago I never courted fame never wanted it never sought it out but it found me. Has it been as much of a burden as a blessing? 
It's one of those really hard things because you never want to sound ungrateful ever. I'll and... forget that. Let's just let's just <laughs> let's just have a bitch here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to sound ungrateful because it does bring a lot of amazing things. I mean, it's given me my career after sport. It's given me an opportunity to push my sport onto other people and raise the profile of swimming and get people safe in water. So it has a lot of great things. It's given me sponsorship deals that have been able for me to buy my own house. But what has it done to you? That's what I'm really interested in. What has it done to Becky Adlington? That's what I was going to go on to. But the flip side of that um, is the fact that I think when you're a sports person as well, I'm not an actress. I think I've, I've been around people that are actresses and everyone comes up to them and calls them by their character name. So they always have this um, kind of escape that actually people don't know them. Whereas I think when you're a sports person, all they get to know is you. And it's lovely that people have been so lovely and saying that I'm just the girl next door and that people do know me, but you do get people coming up to you, Becky, and I'm like, I'm sorry, do I know you? Like, it's a really bizarre thing. But there is certain times where it is really tough. It is really tough. I don't like it when people grab me. It really, that upsets me. I'm like, please don't touch me. Like, I am, you wouldn't do that to somebody you don't know, you know? Like, I'd call the police. (laughs) People do do that. And then it's things, the comments, whether it's kind of been on Twitter or about the way you look, that's got nothing to do with what I've achieved in my sport and what I'm trying to do. It's not like I've gone on and said, I want to be a model or I want to be this. I haven't at all. It's got nothing to do with my career. And yet people think they can judge you on that. And the same when you go through a divorce, which I have, and that's been thrown into the public eye and people want to comment on it. And that was probably one of the toughest is actually because you're hurting already. The rest of it, you just try and think, oh, but they don't know you. And it's just comments on the way you look. And whereas the divorce stuff, that's probably the hardest because your heart's broken anyway. You know, I'm anyone that's been through a breakup, you've got a broken heart. And then to add everyone's comments on top of that and everyone's criticism of you and you go, but for all you know, I could be getting beat up. Do you know what I mean? I, I wasn't at all, and I want to make that clear. But it's it kind of baffles me how people think they can comment on someone's life they know nothing about. So a lot of that I still, even now, struggle with. So if you could say to all the people who've been critical of what you have done and what you've achieved, if you could say something to them in this radio broadcast, which is broadcastable... What would you like to say to them, all those people who've been rude about you on Twitter and and, and so on and so forth? I just, I'm one of those people, I try and put myself in someone else's shoes all the time. Let's not do that. Yeah. Let's let's just go for it. but, but But that's what I'm saying is I can't put myself in these person's shoes at all because I will never, ever understand what goes on in somebody's head to send someone or write a nasty comment about someone they do not know. Uh, to me, they're the people that need to see a, a therapist because there's obviously something very wrong in their lives that they need that. Well, we don't know what's going on for them. What does it do to your heart when you read messages like that, when you saw comments like that? What does it do to you internally? I haven't cried from a comment in a very long time, in a very, very long time in... Pff, uh, what year are we in now? To, uh, probably eight years. Haven't It hasn't upset me that much that I've burst into tears. Um, a lot of the time, pisses me off. It just annoys me. 
because I, uh, not in an angry way, it's just a frustration way that I just go, but you don't know. And it kind of annoys. And I feel like you kind of create a rod for your own back by trying to justify it. And actually, why am I trying to justify it for these people, you know? So I just, I've learned to block a lot out. Um, so it, it started off being upset. It started off being hurt, um, being crying and thinking it was dead personal to then just being angry and just being frustrated and annoyed about it. Um, and to be fair, I don't get many nowadays, which is a very good blessing. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to On the Sporting Couch with me, Gary Bloom, and Olympic swimmer, Rebecca Abington. One of the other issues that we, I wanted to discuss with you, and you said you didn't want this entire broadcast to concentrate on this, is body image. I think it's really important to have this conversation, and I'll tell you why. There'll be many young women who will be listening to this broadcast who will recognise the sort of thing that you have gone through. I did a little bit of research before I came up here. 91% of women in this country have issues about how they look. I'd have said 100%. <laughs> I've never met a woman that's confident in the way she looks. I love to meet them. And a person, I don't just want to isolate that to women, but mm. I have never met somebody who's 100% confident and happy with themselves. So It's, it's a very small percent. I mean, we, you know, we, we don't know. I'd love them. to meet that person. <laughs> How has it affected you when people have made very personal comments about how you look? Um, when I was younger, it definitely upset me. Um, just because I was, I've not, <laughs> this is where it's really difficult. I am confident as myself. I am confident about my personality. I know who I am. That sort of stuff, I'm, I'm very confident. I was very comfortable swimming as well because I was confident at it sure. I knew I had done the work whereas I, uh, most people would never associate me with being insecure because when they meet me I am confident and happy and whatever but there is that there's so many different sides to it and there isn't when when I say I'm insecure I'm not insecure about myself or 
anything like that. But about the way you look, I think most women, you look in the mirror and you go, oh God, why isn't this tighter? And why isn't this smaller? And why isn't this like that? And you do. And I've, I've never met somebody who is 100% happy with the way they look. I would love to meet that person. So when they when people started highlighting my insecurities, I'm already insecure about it. It already bothers me. So then when somebody throws their judgment on top of that and you go, oh my gosh, everyone else has noticed as well, it highlights it even more. So actually it just became, um, it, it, it kind of, how to word it? It's like, I remember when I got my OBE it, and I wore this green dress that so many people commented on afterwards going, oh my God, why did you wear that? You're fat, you can't wear that. Ridiculed me. It ruined that experience for me. I now look back and I don't like looking at the photos because I think, oh God, that dress, I shouldn't have worn that. And that's what I didn't like at the time is that it's not only just affected the way you feel, but it's almost tarnished a memory that was such a special day for myself getting an OBE, but actually it ruins that for you and I've never worn that dress again I would never buy a bodycon dress I've never worn anything even similar to that dress again I'd like to go a bit deeper on this one and I'm just wondering why you and many many other women even care about what people would say (laughs) as a man I just don't get it and I'd I'd like to just go down if you can into your soul and say it matters to me because dot 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 and I don't know what the dot 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 is when I meet you Becky I have no idea I can't even begin to comprehend if I'm honest, I don't really know. Um, I guess as a woman, you want to feel beautiful every now and again. You want to feel attractive. You want to feel just good. Do you know what I mean? You just want to look in the mirror and go, I'm having a good day. Look all right today. But I don't. But why? That's the bit I'm trying to get at. Why is, where's the missing know. bit of the software that didn't get downloaded properly? Why you can't look in the mirror and say, I'm a very attractive woman in my 20s. I don't care what anybody says. I honestly don't know. Um, I wish I did. Maybe you could help me, but I, I honestly don't know. I just look in the mirror and you just see all these negative things. Instead of seeing positive things, I see cellulite and stretch marks and all that wobbles and all that's not nice. But that and makes you a human being. Of course it does. Of course it does. And I'm, to be fair, some of my stretch marks I'm very proud of. I've had a very healthy child and that's why I've got stretch marks. I, I spoke to somebody that had a premature baby and was like, I'd love to have had stretch marks because it means I'd have had a full term. But, and I was like, you're so right. So I am proud of some stuff and I love the fact that I am a normal woman in that sense. But at the same time, the way we are programmed from a very early age is that them things aren't attractive you watch a Disney movie, they're all stick-thin, baked boobs, white teeth, gorgeous princesses from Disney movies. From a, from a tiny age, we are programmed that it's attractive to be slim. It's attractive to have bigger boobs, that you've got to be pretty, no wrinkles, no spots, no anything. It, it, that's the way you're brought up, you know? That's the way I was brought up, is that they were attractive from films, TV, everything that you're surrounded by is that's what is attractive. So... When you're not those things, you can't help but feel unattractive. I tell you what fascinates me as, as, a, as a therapist. You have two very strong male role f- figures. We've talked about them. Yet you marry somebody four years younger than you. <laughs> there seems to be a, a paradox <laughs> for me anyway. And I'd, I'm fascinated to know about that. Most, maybe that's my fascination. On my own. <laughs> Did it strike you as odd that you 
essentially married your best friend, who was in a very different stage of his life to you were. Yeah, I think when me and Harry um, first met, we both swam. We swam on the same team. It was it was lovely. I loved that he was so much fun. It was just so refreshing to be around somebody. And the way Harry sees the world is so beautiful. Like, he sees the good in everything. And I love that about him. And I still love that about him. And um, he was the first person I've ever dated even... Like I've never even dated someone my own age, let alone younger than me. So it was a massive thing for me that I was like, oh my gosh, she's younger than me. So you do normally, had you normally dated people older than you? Always. Always older people. Which kind of makes sense, you know. If, yeah. if, if you were with somebody who was 10 years old, I'd, I'd kind of, I'd get it. Oh yeah, 100%. And just because I've acted older and everything else. So it, it's been a very weird thing. But obviously... Then getting with Harry, it was just refreshing. It was fun. It was just nice and it was easy. And he still is now to this day my best friend. He is the person I know I can tell anything to and I can ask and turn to. And he will always be that person because we're always in each other's lives. You know, he's a fantastic dad. Um, But it was one of those that I think it wasn't the age that split us up, but I think because we were on totally different paths, that did. We are in totally different stages of our lives. I mean, I retired, I settled my own business and I was kind of right, I'm over here and I'm going down this path and uh, children and I want kind of this from my life. And he's there going, okay, I've only just re- retired. I'm doing university. I'm just kind of figuring things out. And we were just on totally different paths. Um, and that didn't really come to a head until he stopped swimming himself because he stopped swimming two years after me. So it was fine why we both swam. It was even fine why he swam. It w- it was when he stopped and then we both were like, ah, getting on with our lives that weren't intertwined with one another, um, that it was a really difficult thing. And I don't know whether that's age or that's just timing and life. I don't really wish to dig down into the reasons of the divorce. I think I'm more interested in the the question, do you find it easier to live your life in a relationship or outside a relationship? That's a really hard one. <laughs> hey, I can answer it for me. But yeah. It's, and some some people need a relationship to be the best person they can be. With other people, they can what we'd call self-soothe. They can be on their own. It doesn't really matter. Oh, no, I can be on my own. That's fine. Yeah, but do you want to be on your own? No, I think I am very fine with being on my own. I mean, I've gone on holiday on my own. I go to the cinema on my own. I'm fine with my own company, you know, and I'm so independent. I'm not one of those people that like, I need to ask for this. Like, how's this and how's that? And how do I do this? Like, I'm fine. I can crack on and I'll get stuff done. I'm very good at that. But at the same time, I want a partner. I want somebody to come home to in an evening. I want somebody to share my life with um I would love to have more kids there's there's all that I I love being a mum it is the best thing in the world being a mum and I would love more kids and I, there is that I I do want to be with someone of course it's not something that I'll just be with somebody for the sake of it I'm not that person and it's not like I can go on a dating website being in the public eye is it famouspeopledating.com so, that needs to get set up <laughs> i swear you've got an idea there but uh yeah there isn't anything i can do you know it's not like i can go i think when you're a mum my priority is to be the best mum possible to summer how difficult is it when you meet somebody 
and you think, I wonder if they're with me because who I am. That's what Harry really had to do at the start. I think because he's younger than me, he saw Beijing and he really idolised me. Um, So when we first got together, we were just kind of dating for a long time and Harry had to step back and say, I need to figure out whether I like you or whether I like you because of everything you've achieved and he really kind of wanted to make sure he was with me for the right reasons and even now it's I had a conversation with my friend this morning going because he was like told me about this bumble or something this dating app and he he was like and I was like I can't go on that because then every guy is just gonna go just want to go on a date just so I could say I've been with Becky Ellington do you know what I mean it's so that's constantly on my mind definitely now that you are out I am single and meeting people it's definitely a question that's always in the back of my mind does it get in the way do you think when you go on a first date I think it depends I've been very lucky that I've not been on a first date with a total stranger that uh, I've not known about. I always kind of like a recommendation or like a vet. Somebody's vetted them or they're friends of the friend or something that I'm like, okay, I know they're cool and I know they're fine with it sort of thing. Um, So I haven't had that experience yet. I'm sure I will. I'm sure I'm going to in the future. Um, So I'll report back. (laughs) (laughs) But it must be in the back of your mind, surely. Oh, all the time. Of course it is. Um, And yeah, you want somebody to understand that and I think the hardest thing obviously with when I was with Harry is that he wasn't in the public eye and now I'm questioning I now think to myself do I want somebody that's in the public eye do I not and it is just kind of it is a real thing that opens up because I was very conscious of that when I was with Harry Harry's got no desire to be famous at all Mm. and even now I think if I did go on a date with somebody not only oh were they just going on a date with me because I'm Becky Addington, but are you going on a date with me because you want the fame? That's what I ask myself more as well. Because anybody you date now, and I've seen it in the national newspapers, say, oh, Becky Adlington might be holding hands with, might be seen with, might be... So there is there is a sense that somebody could piggyback your fame quite clearly. 100%. And that's completely in the back of my mind and something that I'm very, very aware of. Um, and that's why I'm not stating right now because I'm just like what's the point until I meet somebody that I trust and that I respect well then what's the point sometimes when I work with clients I ask them to move try to move between cynicism which is kind of I think where you are Becky and skepticism and it's very very difficult to move to make that 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 move and I I kind of guess that's where you are yeah I mean yeah I've only been divorced a year you know we only split up 18 months ago so it's still very very new um and I think when you're a mum as well it's a very mm. different situation because I'm a mum of a two-year-old it's they're not at school yet they're kind of they're not set up with their lives and their friends and everything they are very much dependent on you too um so there is a lot of stuff that you have to take into consideration 100 percent You're listening to On The Sporting Couch with me, Gary Bloom, sports broadcaster and psychotherapist, and Becky Adlington. The next part of um, of our chat is is, um, something that you talked to me on the phone about. And you said, I've got two personalities. When I was in the pool, I was very driven. Out of the pool, I'm a bubbly, nice person. Those are your words. Can you say a bit more about that? Yeah, I never really realised it until... I heard Bill speak at an event before and it, it, I, I still swam, but it was a, a bit later on in my career. And 
Um, I'd never even picked up on it. I'd never even thought about it. It was just me being me. I, I didn't ever question it. And then Bill, I heard him talking at first. He was saying, Becky's like this beast and this animal. And I was like, all right. I was like, I'm not really like that. And I was a bit kind of like, ooh, about it. But actually, I went away from it and I was like, he's so right. I'm so different in the pool to I am out of the pool. Tell me about the beast. I never even realised I was. And it was just, and I think beast is such a horrible word. I'm like, oh, it just puts me off. But I get what he was trying to say. I'm so driven that I was very much a case of very often came across as a bitch sometimes. And other people really struggled with that when I was training in a group. How do you define a bitch? Um, I told someone how it was. I was very clear and direct. If you got in my way, I told you you were in my way. And um, it wasn't being two-faced. It was nothing like that. I was just very clear about where I wanted to go. You see, I would call that honest. Not everyone would agree with it. <laughs> but I think because it was a case of if somebody was messing about, I would be the person to speak up. If this, there was about 20 of us in our squad, and there would always be about one or two people messing up, messing about, playing, just being annoying. So it was always me. It was always left to my, on me to go, will you stop it? Get out of my way. Stop doing this. And I kind of had to be the bad cop all the time. I had to be that person. Why? Because no one else wanted to be because I was part of a club that not everyone was as driven as myself. It was me that was the driven one and me the one that was that. I would argue that comes from a fear. There must be a, must have been a fear of something. What was your fear might have happened had you not played the bad cop and got some boundaries in place? <laughs> um, I think it was more a case of, for me... I knew where I wanted to go, but other things get in the way. I knew that if I did that, I knew someone else in the world was training just as hard as me, you know. So I had to be 100% on it all the time. And I didn't like people messing about. That's not what we're there for. Do you know what I mean? We're there to do a job. If you want to go and hang out, well, we'll go out after. This is not the time and the place. And... Um, I don't know. I think it was always a case of I was never that bothered if I was well liked. Other people wanted to be liked. I wasn't bothered, so I was going to say it. I wasn't bothered. If you don't like me, you don't like me. I don't care. Was it a form of control, Becky? Um, I am. I am a control freak. No, definitely. surely no, not. One hundred percent. I think a lot of athletes are. I'm definitely a control freak. Where does that control come from? Because again, control is often about the fear, and I think we're onto something fairly major here. Where is the fear that if you don't control, what's going to happen then? Nothing will probably happen. I know that, but what's your all. fear? Um, nothing. Just the again, it was never a case of that I feared it. It was just a case of I because I thought too much about the outcome. I always thought if you got in my way and whatever, it would stop me from achieving my outcome. You know, that's all I thought about. And that's what Simon really had to work with me, which is why I started to relax. Simon is your sports psychologist. So, yeah, sorry. Simon, my sports psychologist. Why we started to relax towards the end is because actually, like, stop thinking about the outcome. So your fear was somebody would get in your way and stop you reaching your goal. Yeah. Is that still the case today? No, because I don't have a sport. It's very clear goals. 
like sport that's what's so great about sport is that it's literally like you have a three-month goal six-month goal year you tick it off it's clear it's cut real life is not like that you don't guess somebody giving you feedback all the time and giving that it's it's very different in business isn't it so the control is gone then becky uh, yeah 100 percent. you can't control it it's I was being ironic, actually. Oh. <laughs> I was go. suggesting that that control is still there today. Oh, okay. Um, well, it, it just doesn't disappear. Those things are just part of your personality. And you just said, oh, I'm a bit of a control freak. You said that in about three or four minutes ago. And I'm just wondering how it presents itself today. Um, I just, uh, just little things. Like I like things kind of... When I tell someone something, I expect them to do it now. <laughs> I'm very much like that. Harry always used to say, like, I've got very high standards. Like, if I say to him, do the bins, if they're not done in five minutes, then that was a big deal. And he was like, I've only just done the bins, you know what I mean? Whereas for me, it's things like that. It's just not doing as you're told because I'm not a teacher, but it's just a case of, like, I do have high expectations. I do have high standards. Why can't people... Everyone always, the thing that I don't like about it is that everyone always said to me, being a control freak and having high standards is a problem. And everyone in my life, apart from Bill, has been great at that. Everyone else, all my friends and other people that I've been around, have always seen as it as it as a real negative thing. And my answer to that is, why? Why should I come down to other people's level? Why can't people come up to mine? But no one ever sees it like that because when you have got that high expectation and when you are that character, you're seen as the the bad one. You're seen as the one that should change. Whereas I don't believe that. I believe I should just be around people like minded and that have high expectations and levels as well. Who sets those standards? Me. <laughs> and what happens when people don't come up to them? I guess it depends what it is, you know, um, whether it's in business or whatever, then it just kind of puts a little taint mark next to it and puts a little note that I go, mm, okay, you're not, you're not on my letter. Do you know what I mean? And my friends, my closest, I'm one of those people that have got a handful of people I can trust with my life. I don't have a lot. I don't have like 50 friends that loads of people do, the whatever. But the ones I do have, I can trust and are definitely 100% like me um, and have that level of expectation as well. As we come to the end of our, our time together, Becky, I'd just like to go back to people who might be listening to this radio broadcast who do feel terrible about themselves and how they look. And I wonder what we can you know, take from your life and what message would you give to them when they look in the mirror and say, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not the other? You've been hugely successful and continue to be, and may that success continue. But I'm actually also aware that people out there who are not successful are terribly worried about how they look. What would your message be to those people? Um, I think it's massively helped me finding something I love. And it doesn't matter about the success. It matters about the enjoyment and the love and the confidence, whether you're good at it or not. And that was swimming for me. Swimming was my confidence. Swimming was my thing that gave me that, that stopped me feeling terrible about myself because I had something. And even when I stopped swimming, like 
being a mum, I'm not the best mum in the world. I don't pretend to be the best mum in the world, but at the same time, I love being a mum. And there's always something that can fill that, that void. And it doesn't mean you have to be successful at it. I'm not saying you have to go and win an Olympic medal to, to feel not terrible about yourself. I just think find something that you love and enjoy that is your piece. Um, and it's like even now we spoke about the living room that we're in right now to find a place that is your happy place. This is my happy place. This is my comfortable place. Um, so I think finding that really helps. What does the future hold for Becky Adlington? Who knows? I wish you could tell me. Uh, <laughs> who knows? Um, I'd love, I'm so love my career. I love that side of things that I'd love to continue that. How do you define your career now? Because the swimming has come to an end. Let's let's be abs- nail it down. What is your career path now? Um I run my own learn to swim business. That my vision is trying to get the whole of the UK knowing how to swim. Um I mean a million kids leave primary school unable to swim and we only teach ten thousand a week so I've got a long way to go but we'd love to see that dramatically change. I would love to get more into sports presenting. I love the punditry. Um it is a long career path as you know. It's not something that happens overnight. Um and I'm just at the very beginning of my journey. I've only been doing it four or five years which somebody out there will go, that's a long time, four or five years, but it's not not in that career and I'm very much at the start that I'd love to keep that journey and that path in the in the sports side of presenting and media and that world I love that side um and yeah just being a mum is definitely a job people that say it's not it they're lying it is it's you have to be organized you have to be on it it's that's part of of being a, a parent in general um so yeah that is but that is the best job in the world, 100%. Becky, many thanks for allowing us Thank into your you. home and joining me on The Sporting Couch. Thank you. You've been listening to On The Sporting Couch, a programme that attempted to lift the lid on mental health issues in sport. I'm Gary Bloom, a psychotherapist, counsellor and sports broadcaster, and my guest today has been Olympic swimmer Becky Adlington. I hope the programme will have encouraged anyone who has or knows anyone who has mental health issues to come forward and get help. And there are some useful links on the TalkSport website, talksport.com forward slash sporting couch. I'm Gary Bloom, and please remember that there's no such thing as good health without good mental health. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with War